The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield. And I'm Alexis Garvin. And today we've got one of my favorite of all favorite personality types to talk to, Katie. Yes. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> yes, we've got Katie Fleming uh, on the podcast today. Katie is a friend of mine and an Enneagram 9 if you are uh, in the Enneagram world. And Katie also is in a position of leadership in her company. And so we had some people asking, hey, could we get a nine on the podcast that I uh, can talk about leadership? And so, Katie, you're the one. You are it. How do you feel it? about that? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you guys asking me to be on here. I'm excited to do the best I can to answer some questions. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that you won't cause any sort of conflict. We will not be upset at all about anything that you say. Neither will anybody that ever listens to this. I'm positive about it. <laughs> you got jokes. <laughs> well, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about you know who you are, what it is that you do, uh, just so people can get to know you a bit. Sure. So obviously my name is Katie Fleming. Um, I have been a manager of a team of recruiters for the past two years. I've been in a management position, I would say off and on for about the last six or seven years in some capacity. I've been a resident director um, in a housing for a university. I've been um, in a registrar's office where that was a non-managerial position, uh, but a lot of moving parts, and of course, now in my current role, I'm a manager of an actual team of um, different individuals. Yeah, well, and I'm sure this will come up more in the conversation later, but you were doing the remote Zoom work thing before it was cool, right? Yes. In fact, <laughs> my whole department and team, we were, we were joking about the fact that we didn't even realize something had happened until like August. We were like, we're used to staying in our homes and ordering in all the time. What, what's wrong? What's happening? Um, yeah, absolutely. We were definitely remote before it was cool. Katie, also tell me really quick, where were you an RD? What university? Uh, Central Baptist College in Conway. And is that where you went as well? Or is that just where no, you went? I started off as an RA at UCA and loved it. I loved, oh, I just love everything life. about resident life. Yes. Um, and thankfully, because of that experience, I was able to turn that into a resident director position um, at CBC here in Conway. So I love that too. Really I fun. It. I feel like the nine's personality type, which we'll get into, but I love 
just that that's a role that you've gotten to play because there are so many roles that you have to play as an RD. So (laughs) I can only imagine. Um, And I know it's a lot of work and it's all encompassing work, but it takes a lot of heart. So that's I just love that you got the opportunity. That's great. Me too. Me too. Well, talk to us a little bit about your Enneagram journey. Uh, We were talking a little bit before we started recording here about that, but talk about what that process was for you um, and just in kind of self-awareness in general, not just Enneagram. You talked about some other things as well. So tell us a bit about that story and what that meant for you as you kind of uncovered the whole nine personality for yourself. Yes. So I was talking about this before we started, but I've taken a lot of personality assessments, Um, whether it was Myers-Briggs, there's some specific for communication styles, um, professional, even different, you know, assessments there. And I've never agreed with my results ever. I would always get them and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds familiar, kind of right, but no, that's not, that's not it. And I would take it again in like a few weeks and I would get different results. (laughs) Um, And so about four years ago, we were taking the Enneagram assessment as a small group um, with City Church. And I took the free one, which I think was like 25. I can't remember how many questions it was, Um, but I got a nine. And so I started reading about it and I was like, I'm not sure I, I get this one either. So I took the paid assessment, which let me just tell you in advance, if you haven't taken it and you're thinking about taking it, this is not a quick, ooh, I procrastinated. I have 30 minutes before we're going to go over the results. <laughs> <and> great. <laughs> it is not the time for that. This is a not a procrastinator's dream for sure. It's a very lengthy test, but 100% worth it. Yeah. But I got the results and we were going through each Enneagram style every week. And every week I'd leave going, yep, that's that's my Enneagram. I'm a one or yes, I'm a two, I'm a five, whatever. And then I was getting like, ah, oh. okay. So we got to the nine week and it wasn't until Ryan, you, um, said nines are chameleons. They are adaptable. They are constantly changing depending on who they're around. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> that is why I've been so frustrated all these years because it made perfect sense. And once you got into the description of nines, you know, and how they want to create harmony, and that's one of the reasons why they are so adaptable, I was like, yeah, that for yeah. once in my life, I have to say you were right and I was wrong, and I am a nine. <laughs> I'm so glad we've got that recorded because I'm going to cut that oh, little yeah. out and play oh, that over right. and over again. <laughs> Able to be held against you in a court of law, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, it's, I do understand what you're saying. It's a bit like torture almost for a lot of nines and Enneagram trainings, because, you know, if you go through them one through nine, uh, a lot of nines are that way. They're like, well, that one makes sense. And that one makes sense. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I get that too. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's like waiting till the end, um, you know, you identify with a lot of them. And I see that in a lot of nines. Uh, So no, no big surprise there. Definitely like to think of it as you're saving the best for last, you know? <laughs> I would not argue with you. Nines are pretty great. Totally. And they're some of the most relatable, too, because they can see things through so many different perspectives. And they really can validate everyone's perspective in in very honest, authentic ways. I love that about the nines. I love that about the nines in my life. I'm always like, okay, if I want to go and have a collaboration conversation where I know someone's going to agree with me to a degree, at least, <laughs> that I'm like, I'm going to go to my nines. <laughs> yes. Woo-hoo. Yeah. My people. 
Well, let's shift the conversation a little bit towards leadership. Uh, I know that, you know, if you were to do some real heavy stereotyping, a lot of times nines wouldn't get pegged, you know, as the kind of natural leaders. Um, I think it's, you know, it probably happens more often than people realize. I think they're just not quite as outspoken as some of the others. So maybe they don't get noticed as much. I don't know. Um, but what do you think are some of the best things that a nine brings to a leadership role? Okay. Well, first I was trying to say, I agree. I think for a lot of people, nine or a lot of times people don't think nines would make a good leader because we are so adaptable and we tend to follow versus lead. Um, but I think that's what makes us a great leader. Because one of the things I've learned about leading a team of very diverse individuals is one leadership style or management style, it doesn't work for every person. You have to get to know each individual on your team and adapt how you do things in order to lead them effectively. And I think it took a long time to figure out because I feel like we learn, um, you know, there's there's democratic, there's uh, authoritarian leadership styles, and those are all okay in some aspects to mm -hmm. some degree, but for each person, it's not going to be the same. Uh, for one employee, I give them a list of things to do, and they get them done throughout the week. Like, I don't have to put a specific deadline in place. They're comfortable with that. That works for them. They like that flexibility. Whereas for some employees, I have to say, hey, I need this by the end of the day, or I need this in the next few hours, which sounds harsh and can come across as like one of those micromanagers that you hear so, ooh, you know, that are in bad connotations. But... For that employee, that's what they need. That's what they ask for. Um, so when I first took on this team, we talked about that. It was very upfront. And I was like, what do you need from me as a leader? And that's where that nine came in. I didn't want um, an uncomfortable team dynamic. But I took the time to talk about it individually and in a group setting. And we came across like these commonalities of or if you know we got further into a project and I kept noticing that one person wasn't quite where I needed them, I pulled them aside and we talked about it and we came up with a game plan of, okay, you need specific deadlines. Got it. I can do that. Um, so I think, I don't know if that answered your question fully and kind of went around the bend, but I'm coming back. Um, so yeah, I think the adaptability and that desire to create a harmonious team is what makes me an effective leader. I hope. <laughs> let, me, let me throw that in there. <laughs> Well, and I will say for so many people, for so many team members that are being led by a nine, that is like gold and is such is such a gift to then feel so understood or to feel the desire of their leader so clearly to actually understand what will help them in executing best or in actually carrying out their role the best. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is a gift to be on a team that's led by a nine because of that very, because of that very reason, because of those very skill sets. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people that listen to this uh, that we interact with Alexis, there's a phrase that they are probably thinking as they hear her talk about this is the, just the idea to know others, to lead others. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I think would be something that would come more naturally to a lot of nines than other personality types, probably yeah. uh, certainly more so than like myself as a one, uh, yeah. uh, that, that doesn't come nearly as naturally to me. So I think that's, uh, that's really cool. What Katie, what does that look like practically for you? How, what are some examples maybe, uh, just from the different leadership positions you've had of how you've been able to do that? So I would say 
kind of going off of that phrase you just used, for me, one of the most important things is that you dedicate 40 hours of your life to a job a week, okay? So relationships are very important to me. I know that there's a lot of uh, talk about keeping your work and your home life separate, but one thing I've noticed is my employees, they're gonna bring some things that are happening in their home life to work. I don't know if this is exactly what you were asking, but this was just such a prominent um, example in my mind of in our one-on-ones, sometimes, yes, we talk about ways to improve. We talk about professional development, but sometimes we just create a safe space where they can talk about their life. And knowing that information, I can change maybe not adding 15 different priorities to their to-do list and instead taking on a few of them myself and only giving them 10 or scheduling an opportunity for that individual to schedule two hours where they can close their laptop, they can walk away, not be so encompassed in what's happening at work and just process what's happening at home and then they can come back and they're brand new, um, taking that time to, like, to meditate um, and to reflect. Um, so I'm not sure if that fully answered that question, but that's no, the that's example that came to mind. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably even more prominent, more important right now. Uh, and specifically, you know, we mentioned already that your work is very remote. You're on Zoom calls and stuff. And so probably I'm guessing a lot of your team members are uh, when you talk about work life separation, like their their life is literally right behind them. You can see it going on on screen. Yes, I love that. I love it when um, I have kids that hop in our Zoom calls and they'll, they'll act very silly. That is perfect. I enjoy that. I cannot tell you how immensely. Like, I love it. Love like, it. I love getting to be involved in that aspect of their life, too. Um, so, yeah, I love it. But I will say, even remote workers, even before COVID, you know, we were used to being remote. We were used to having to be in front of a computer all day. It's still exhausting, I think. I think I didn't really notice it in my team at first until probably April or May that COVID fatigue was starting to creep in because even with remote workers, their life was drastically changed um, because, because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are so many rhythms, I feel like, that whole households got had to shift. And even if they were used to remote work and used to being at their desk all day, now all of a sudden they had kids home with them, or now all of a sudden their spouse was also working remotely, like right across the kitchen table. And so just a total, there's so many dynamics that shifted, I feel like with the pandemic. So yeah, the um, pandemic fatigue or like the work from home fatigue that actually set, set in in June and July of last year was so real. So real. Yes. Yeah. But did that answer your question, Ryan? Is I don't want to leave yeah. it without answering it. No, no, I think that's great. Um, I think that's a great example. Let me, you know, go to the other side of the scale here and say, what are some things that for you as a nine in leadership are maybe more naturally challenging to you in that environment? Oh, we have to talk about my like weaknesses now. <laughs> I don't remember signing up for that. No, um, this is actually a fairly simple. Um, it's a tour. I have two different struggles. I would say the first one is I think nines have a tendency to say yes to a lot of things when maybe they don't have the bandwidth to say yes to a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. um, but I am definitely a people pleaser through and through. And to some degree, I can make that work to be a um, benefit in my position. Like I can extend that helping hand that I was talking about earlier. But sometimes 
it's too much. And I, not to, not to say that saying yes is wrong, but saying yes, working my uh, hours, dedicating hours even after work, trying to complete it so I don't disappoint a person, that's where it becomes an issue for me, is that I turn into a little bit of a workaholic. Um, just a little, though, like not drastic, <laughs> I want to be clear. Um, because I do enjoy it, and I think that that's one component of it too. But I, I have found myself occasionally working at like nine nine thirty because I want to accomplish this task for this person that I told them I would do, but didn't have the time to do it during the day. So you're like the ideal employee, Katie. Whenever somebody's getting hired, right, and they get asked, "What's your greatest weakness?" and you say, "I just work too hard. Like I I overwork myself, and I will be I care too much." No, I would never. That's I didn't. I didn't replay that. That's me. But in the best of ways, for nines who are listening, like it's such a good thing to know about yourself. Is that actually really is a tendency? Like your tendency to want to overwork for the sake of oftentimes people pleasing or just not wanting to create conflict. That's such a strength on a lot of levels in terms of harmony and seeking harmony all the time. But then there's also the self-awareness that comes in and realizing I need to set boundaries and I need to do it frequently and to recalibrate on those boundaries frequently because that will be a tendency. 100%. So sometimes that's as simple as me setting an alarm in my phone and I will like stop. Yeah. So I shut off and right. even if I still stay on my laptop, it won't be my work one. It'll be for fun. Um, okay. And of course you can get lost in those, those TikToks. Clean talks, my jam. But that's the first one. Um, the second one I was going to mention is um, getting your opinion and keeping it. Um, I think this is another one for me in particular when I'm talking with somebody and they have a different opinion that I have going into a conversation, I have to make sure and fight the instinct to take on their opinion um, and to lose mine in the process. Sometimes that's okay. Like you need to have a balance again. I think that's what it always comes down to is sometimes your opinion was wrong. Okay. Uh, I can tell you I can, um, I was wrong at least five times today, which was awesome. Um, but making sure that you're not just giving into a situation so it's not a confrontation and it is actually a valid opinion because your opinion is valid. Um, so not losing it completely is, is important. And I, I think one of the greatest things I remember learning about nines, one of the greatest insights um, that's tricky and nuanced, but so profound is the whole idea of them being in the anger triad, right? But them being asleep to their anger. And where eights are aggressive, like eights are very much awake to their anger and it comes, it, it's external, where ones are internal about their anger, like their anger is very much pointing inside. And <laughs> I love these faces we're getting from you. The, the ones very much have anger that's like inner critic oriented. The nines are very much asleep to their anger. And then once they finally recognize it, and once they're able to like, to name it, to wrestle through it, to actually see where they can wait up to it and 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 use it redemptively in the world it's profound like it's it's unbelievably powerful so curious as to what's going on in your brain right now because well i that think that's a very healthy approach <laughs> the, the, i think the problem that i struggle with is i internalize my anger that is the one in me 100 until yeah. it gets to the point where i haven't processed it like 
effectively and positively and it blows up and I turn into an eight and it's explosive. Got it. Got it. Okay. Did you know, I mean, you knew, you knew the anger triad though, right? You knew that you were in that space. Yeah. So I, I always feel like it's, it's a conundrum to nines to a lot of, on a lot of levels only because you wouldn't necessarily identify it. Although it sounds like with being the more of the strong one wing that you are, you can identify those, those like anger tendencies. Um, but yeah, I think it's such a fascinating thing to then figure out, okay, so how do I, cause righteous anger is a great thing. Like when I can, when I'm angry for the right reasons, that is so that, that can be used powerfully and harnessed powerfully, you know? Yeah. Working on that though. I would say that that, that <laughs> is like, progress. that is in progress pending <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to its own. I, um, I think that nines, like it's so interesting to talk about nines and anger because most people don't, you know, put those two things together. Right. And the way that I always kind of try to illustrate it is um, this maybe we'll get a little bit nerdy here, but the idea of superheated water, um, superheated water is water that is above boiling, but it's not boiling. Right. So it only happens in really uh, rare circumstances. There has to be like pressure on top of it to keep it from boiling. Uh, And so when you look at it, it looks like normal water, but if anything touches it, it will literally explode and burn everyone. Wow. Talk about an image. Right. That's the perfect analogy if I've ever heard. It <laughs> <describes> anger <laughs> for me, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. Cause it, like to, to think about all that's bubbling underneath the surface. And would you say for you, even as a one, right? Just not to deviate too far, but like being in the anger triad, I think that insight from all three of those numbers is often helpful as far as just like how you deal with the anger component of things. Like what does that, how does that manifest in for you? Uh, I think typically, you know, if you just have everybody on kind of autopilot, typically ones are far more aware of that internal anger than mm-hmm. a nine is like the, the phrasing you were using was that the nines usually asleep to it. Mm-hmm. Um, ones are not usually asleep to it. Um, it's, it's very present, um, for, for most of us. And so, yeah, I think that would be the big difference there. Now they may both appear similar on the surface to other people, but the awareness underneath is different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just as like a total, total random aside, not to get too far off track, but knowing that the, cause the inner critic is obviously like the loud voice for the one. And that's where the anger sure. comes in being in the non anger triad. I forget what my actual dominant, what's a fours. What is a fours dominating, um, like what's the triad that they're in? I forget. It's uh, the heart space. It's the heart space. So, so, but in that, I think realizing, cause I thought for a long time I was a one because the inner critic for me is so loud. Mm. But what I've learned even just in the last few years for anybody who's like listening and therefore is that ones and fours both have inner critics, but the inner critic and the anger of the one goes so external to the world mm. and corrects things. And the inner critic of the four just goes internal and like peers inside. So, um, constantly feels like, you know, they don't belong and they're not in the right space and all those things. So just a little, we'll throw a little nugget to our fours that are listening. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Um, I want to go back real quick to a couple of things you said, Katie, that I thought were really, really interesting. Um, in all the conversations I've had with nines, I don't think I've ever, um, put together the, the concept of like being a workaholic with a nine. Um, 
But I think it's because most of the time when you think of people that are workaholic, that are overworking, it's normally, you know, to achieve something, to, to build something, to, you know, whatever it is. But you were talking about being a workaholic because you're trying to not let people down. And I just think that's really, really interesting and very, very insightful uh, that being a nine doesn't mean that you are not susceptible to that. Oh, for sure. And you pair in and throw in a little uh, procrastination, which we're kind of <laughs> a little bit known for too. And you have a, a, a good old time <laughs> sometimes for sure. Perfect combination of it. But yes, 100%. Um, I struggle and still to this day, you will find that I, I can typically work more than 40 hours, not because I necessarily have to, but that's kind of just where I, well, A, because it's COVID and you can't necessarily go anywhere, so what else is there to do but get things done? But yeah, I would say even when I worked for um, a couple companies ago, we were a startup. And so working more hours than normal is very common. But when somebody would give you a task at like 4.30 on the, in the afternoon, even though they would like, they would say, oh, you know, I don't need this for a few days. In my mind, I was like, no, I got to get it done. Like I have to. And so I would stay up until like 1130 midnight trying to get this project done so I could give it to them and I could make them happy and it, it make it, you know, a, a good day for them. But yeah, so 100%, I would definitely classify myself as a, a workaholic tendencies, but slightly. I don't want people, I don't want my, any family members to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting to me. And I guess kind of my follow-up question on that, because another thing you said was like sometimes the helping, the the uh, taking stuff off people's plates, sometimes it goes just a little bit too far, I think was how you phrased it. Um, maybe this is an impossible question, but how do you know what's too far? What's the line? Oh, honestly, I haven't, I would pose this question to the nines that are listening. And if they have an answer, let me know. Because I Send haven't really it out. <laughs> proactively like it'll be to the point where I just stop and I go there's no way I can get this done I start to feel overwhelmed I have all the you know insecure or you know I start to cry because I'm so overwhelmed that's when I know okay <laughs> I cannot do this hit the boiling point yes something has hit that water okay <laughs> I'm done um, that's when I typically realize that I have helped too much or I've taken on too much um, yeah, that's what I would say is I haven't figured out a way to do it proactively, just reactively to the point where, um, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have talked about a good amount though, the, the boundary setting piece of things and how you've learned at least for yourself, because you know, of these tendencies that setting boundaries, even just setting a timer, which is like the most simple thing on the planet, but can be profound in light of, you know, catching yourself before you get overwhelmed. Um, I, I just feel like that is the gold of these kinds of conversations is the self-awareness that comes or just the awareness that comes to, oh yeah, like people thinking, hey, I do kind of the same thing. It might be a good idea for me to think about being proactive. Um, just what that, what does proactivity look like in that space in the boundary setting? That's yeah. Good. Setting alarms. Also just fun fact, fun tip before we move on. Um, I don't know if you all utilize Slack or email, but you can set snooze on all of those. And so I have a snooze function that kicks in probably mm -hmm. later than it should. I'm not going to say when, but it's, <laughs> it, it happens. If you, I think one of, one of my favorite functions is just airplane mode, like putting my phone in airplane mode, which honestly is 
it's hard, right? It's tricky because you're like, okay, I'm literally disconnecting from the interwebs. Like I'm totally disconnecting from the world, but there's such profundity, I think, in being able to say like, I'm not going to let my messages come in for us, you know, for a segment of time. And then I love having the cut off at night and then the start in the morning where I don't let myself go on before a certain time. Mm-hmm. It's just been really, really helpful. I don't usually make it to that second one, but the first one, I 100%. <laughs> yes, it is amazing. Well, that is amazing. That's great. Well, Katie, just as we kind of wrap things up here uh, for anybody that's listening, that's also a nine or maybe just heavily resonates with a nine and finds themselves in some sort of position of leadership. Uh, what are some pieces of advice that you would give to those people? Um, well, I think I would start with a little bit of encouragement. Cause like you said at the beginning, sometimes nines get a bad rap in their leadership capacity. So I would just start with saying that you are enough. And I think you have a lot of, um, unique abilities that other leaders are going to struggle with. You're going to find come very easily. And that is your ability to adapt. I can't say it enough, but get to know your team, get to know how you can use, um, even the nine aspect of the Enneagram. So getting to know what that encompasses and getting to know yourself a little better mm-hmm. um, and being able to uh, use what comes naturally to you to your advantage, whether that in your case it is, maybe it's not relating to others, but you know, at our core, we are harmonious <laughs> individuals. So use that. I think just pivoting yourself and using it to your advantage is what I would say to our nine leaders in the world. I love that. Alexis, any other uh, thoughts or questions or anything from you? Um, no, I just, I, like I said, it, I feel like having a nine leader is one of the biggest gifts on the planet. And so being the nines that are out there and listening, just know that there's so much, like you are literally some of the easiest people to, um, to receive leadership from and also to receive feedback from. I think that would be probably the last little nugget that I would give is that very often nines don't want to necessarily step into hard conversation or conflict, but they're often some of the people that can be heard from the easiest because people know that they care. Like their, their degree of support is always high. Their degree of challenge always a bit lower. So when somebody, they're going to feel more intimidated to the, you know, to give the feedback even than the, than the people receiving it. Katie, maybe, maybe you could give one more thought because clearly you've got something percolating there. Yes. I was going to say, we're probably more nervous to give you negative feedback than you you are to get part of that conversation. I can very, but, but it makes it that much more profound, like to be able to deliver feedback in a space that's already been primed because of who you are, like your care is, or is so genuine, so authentic. Um, I just think it's like, that is one of the um, greatest tools that I do think nines have once they really start to harness it. So good. Well, uh, Katie, thanks again for being on today. I think this is an awesome conversation. I'm going to be excited to share it with people. I think people will get a lot of good stuff out of it. So we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a blast to speak with both of you. So thanks for having me. Great to meet you, Katie. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible.
See you next time. <laughs>